0: Thank you. What a nice way of uh, putting in new words to this song, isn't it? Well, before I bring God's word to you, I just want to register my thanks as well. I know many people have uh, thanked many people concerning but last week. I also want to register my thanks. After all, I'm a Singaporean. I'm a big gansu as well. I want to get in there. So I'm sure those who are involved uh, have already received a special thanks from Pastor Caroline, specifically to you, but uh, we just want to say thank you for making such a, uh, an occasion that we really can celebrate together that night. And with such occasion like this, many, many hours of planning put into it, and coordination and all that, uh, so we just want to say thank Thank you for you who help out, even uh, collecting the plates and the cups and bring home to wash because we've got no kitchen here, and bring it back today. Many people brought it back. If it's still sitting on your dishwasher, please do remember to bring it back. <laughs> Is it still sitting there? No? Okay, let me just say a word of thanks, and then I'll bring uh, God's word to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. You are a good God. Uh, we sing hallelujah. The meaning, the word hallelujah simply means praise the Lord. And we just want to say praise you, Lord, for everything. You are a good God, and we want to continue to worship you and allow you to lead us, guide us, every step of our lives here on earth. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you. We bless you, Lord. We worship you. Be with us this morning as we read and as we study your word about Christmas season may we be reminded again and again, again and again and again, that we never get tired of this story of Christmas, that God came to us in flesh. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Please remember, next week we still have our normal service, because this morning there are few from our service came to first service at 10 o'clock thinking that there is a combined service and they were very late and they were wondering why there's no why why no communion is a communion there but he didn't receive communion then he realized that after all he came late so please remember next week still normal service and then only subsequently fortnight time for four consecutive sunday combined service and if plus christmas it will be five combined services all right, this morning, we have been talking about Old Testament prophecy concerning about Christmas. The world has its fair share of unusual birth across the country, and this couple is known, she's the oldest mother that has given birth at age of 70 years old. From India, uh, from the Punjab province up north, I've been there, Amritsar, which is the capital of Punjab province where the golden temple is there and 70 years old, they've been married for 50 years, no children and uh, husband 79 but uh, they almost lost hope in ever able to conceive a child when they decided to try IVF treatment and it took some time for them to approve that she can go ahead but they found that she was healthy and she gave birth to a baby boy and she's trying for the second one now I'm serious. It's not a joke. It's true. And this uh, another another unusual birth is uh, this this girl. Her name is Erica Negrilli from Texas. She was teaching in a school and then she had a conv- uh, she collapsed. Her husband was a fellow teacher as well. Called the ambulance and the ambulance came. She was pronounced dead. And so they brought her to the hospital. She had a C-section in what doctors call a post-mortem birth. And believe it or not, while this had everyone reaching for some tissues, crying, feeling sad, suddenly, moments later, Erica's heart started beating again. So she gave birth while she was dead, and then she came alive again after she gave birth. So that's a miracle baby. The third unusual one, if you pay attention to these two, they are actually twins. But amazing the about these twins is that they were born eighty-seven days apart. Eighty-seven days apart, because while well, the mom carried the baby, uh, after just five months, five months she went into labor, and uh, and it's quite normal not to be able to carry multiples baby to term. Uh, and so she went to hospital and gave birth to her first daughter. And then her labor stopped. So, she gave birth to the first one, and 87 days later, she gave birth to the second one. Both girls are doing great, and they probably have the rest of their lives to explain how they are twins, but do not share the same birthday. Um, And the last one is this baby boy. He is known... it is the largest child born. Let me rephrase that. Largest child born to survive. Maybe I can rephrase that again. The largest child born who survived and whose mother survived. Guess how heavy this boy is? This baby? How? how? Okay. 22 pounds. About 10 kilos. So praise the Lord. The mom must be so happy after giving birth, she lost weight by 10 kilos. (laughs) Isn't it great? (laughs) 10 kilos. World record, 1955, from Italy. And there's other kind of unusual birth as well. The longest labor, you know how long? 20 days. 20 days. But certainly, Jesus Christ still holds the record for the most unusual birth. I'm going to show you why his birth was a leak on its own. Extremely unusual. But I want to show you this verse from Galatians chapter 4. Paul said, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And the key thing I want to point out to you is, when the set time had fully come, God has His own timetable when Jesus should come into this world. I tell you when. I tell you why this. Jesus was born at that time. Three things I can say about that. It was the right time spiritually. Since the last prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi, spoke, God was silenced. You know how long God was silenced for? 400 years. Old Testament, New Testament, in between 400 years, God was silenced. It is known as the intertestament period. And during this time, Alexandria the Great came into power. The deterioration of Assyrian Empire, Babylon Empire, the Greek Empire, took up and ruled the world during that time, conquering the world. And God was silenced for 400 years until John the Baptist came into the scene and said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is over. Here And the people were waiting for God, waiting for Messiah to come, as scholars call it fever pitch. They were longing, waiting for this Messiah, because they were under the oppression of the Roman Empire, Greek Empire fallen and the Roman Empire took over, they ruled the world. then, and that is when, spiritually, it was the right time because people were longing for a deliverer, a Messiah. And it's the same for this world now that we live in. It will reach a point of time that we will be crying out for a Messiah because the world will only become worse and worse. And that is where a man known as the Antichrist who seems to have the solution to the world chaotic crisis came into sin and all will worship him. It, it is the right time spiritually. Secondly, it was also the right time culturally. Why? Because for the first time since the Tower of Babel, the world was now united with a single language, the Greek language. You could go from India to Britain 2,000 years ago and they say, share the same ideas in the same common, precise language. So the set time was right spiritually, culturally, and thirdly, politically. 2,000 years ago, Roman had taken over the world. And because Rome had taken over the world, as oppressive, as oppressive as that might feel to the Jews in Judea, it still brought a unification of the world. You see, Caesar Augusta imposed a thing called Pax Romana. Pax Romana simply means Roman peace, which means for nearly 200 years, there was economic growth with military stability. There was a, 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 a economic growth, culture growth with military guarding and provide stability across those countries that they rule. And do you know that during that time there was almost no military conflicts whatsoever because of the Pax Romana. And not only uh, there, but Rome built a uh, road system record around system around the world 400000 kilometers of road and 80000s of them were paved roads that even now you still can see those roads make of those cobblestone and all that kind of stuff so people could travel freely with their ideas and had military guards ensuring their safety along the way and so now The gospel is in the most precise language ever, under the most ideal circumstances ever, with people who are hungrier than ever before, going to places more freely than ever before, it was the fullness of time. So God's timing is always perfect way back to the prophecy. And so today, I want to look at one verse in the Old Testament, 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah, which we call him the Prince of Prophets, because so many, 21 different times, he was quoted in the New Testament. So I want to give you this record in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The Isaiah gives a prediction, a prophecy into the future before the birth of Christ, on the birth of Christ. And here's I want you to see in this single verse three things. There are three things that I want to talk about. First and foremost, it says, Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. What is the sign? Is that a virgin will be with child. the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. So three things here. I want to talk about the sign. And the sign is the son to be born. And this son will be our saviour. Alright? In this Christmas season, we want to be reminded of that. First and foremost, let me talk about the sign. God gave us a sign. We all know what sign means. If you drive cross country, you drive to Sydney or to Great Ocean Road or to the Wulongong or wherever you go, there are signs on the road. The signs is to tell you what is ahead. And so the prophecies in the Old Testament, there are signs to tell you what is ahead. And so here, Isaiah gave us a very specific sign that telling the Jewish people, you're looking out for this Savior to come. God gave us a sign. And that is why in Matthew chapter 1, The author looked back and quoted this verse in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, 22 and 23. Matthew looked back and said, Isaiah already prophesied to us of this Savior who is to come. And that's why in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, he said, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophets. So this is Matthew's interpretation of Isaiah saying that this prophecy is pointing to a Savior coming. The virgin will conceive and He will give birth to a son, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now let me tell you a little bit about the sign in the context of Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. You know, Israel, they were one, right, last time, under King Saul, and then King David, and then King Solomon. And after King Solomon, the kingdom split into two, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. Northern kingdom took away ten tribes, which as a whole, they call themselves Israel, or sometimes when you read the prophecy, it's called Ephraim. Is named after the largest tribe, Ephraim or Israel. So northern kingdom, Israel or Ephraim. And then southern kingdom, there are two tribes. Again, sometimes it is named after the larger tribe, Benjamin and Judah. So it is Judah. So two tribes. So Isaiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah at that time. And both kingdoms, they have 20 kings. And the northern kingdom, all the kings are lousy kings, not even one single good king. And therefore they went into exile, conquered by the Assyrians in five in 722 BC. And uh, Southern Kingdom, although there are 20 kings, they were eight good kings. And out of the eight good kings, they kind of prolonged the society a little bit longer. And they eventually went to exile, conquered by the Babylonian Empire in 586 BC. And so Isaiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom, and at that time was a king by the name of King Ahaz. He was not one of the eight good kings. He was a lousy king, bad king. Although his father was by the name of Jotham, J-O-T-H-A-M, was a good king. I don't know how godly king can raise up lousy son. Uh, that is life, isn't it? Some godly parents, their, their children didn't turn up well. But him, Ahaz, was a lousy king and ended up the son turned out to be very good. King Hezekiah. So there's no full formula in the sense, as much as we, we, we like to have, but we can only do our best. God is sovereign. He is in charge. He can change. He can move. Everything down a pathway to accomplish what he desired. So Isaiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom, and at that time, Ahaz was the king. Ahaz was very troubled because up north, the northern kingdom of Israel, and the coalition to the Syrian government, their two kingdoms is coming to attack him. Why they attack him? Because initially, these two kingdoms came and talked to him and said, Would you like to join us, form a coalition, and then we can attack Assyria? But he refused. And he refused. Therefore, these two said, Well, since he refused, we are going to attack you anyway. So he instead sent a bribe to the bigger bully, Assyria, to ask Assyria to conquer these two, to get rid of these two bullies for them, for him. So this is the context. And then Isaiah came into the scene. Isaiah said, why don't you ask God for a sign? Why don't you go and ask God for a sign? And he said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to test God. You know? It's not right to ask God for a sign. It's testing God. Uh, but that is just a very pious way of explaining something that you don't want to do. In reality, he has already tried to bribe Assyria. He's just not trusting God, then trying to test Him. Just as some of us, we like to use spiritual reason as a way to find excuse for us not doing something. But at least it sounds quite nice and quite pious and quite spiritual in our, our re- response. And so this is a situation. But Isaiah tells him, Isaiah said, well, whether you like a sign or you don't like a sign, God is going to give you a sign. And this sign is not just only if you read the immediate context, it's very complicated because God uh, Isaiah uses his three sons' name as a way to prophesy, But there is something that not just only applies to the immediate context, Isaiah is also pro- proclaiming on the line of David that eventually a saviour will come in the future. And so that is a sign. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. It is necessary for, for that to happen because many, many prophecies never come into fruition. Many prophecies didn't come out, eventually happen. But all of the signs predicted in the Old Testament, hundreds of them, all was fulfilled in Christ. From where Christ was born, Pastor Bruce talked about Bethlehem was also prophesied. That uh, Jesus will be the Savior, was born, not just born, but born in this town of Bethlehem. And God and then as well as how Jesus is going to die, all kinds of things were prophesied. Hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled when Christ came. And so that is the first thing that I want to mention to you, that God gave us a sign. And then further on, this sign is very specific. Not just only God gave us a sign, that this sign is that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So the sign is that this girl who is a virgin birth will give birth to a son. So when the ultrasound of a virgin girl reveals there's a pregnancy, that's some kind of sign. That's a miraculous sign. You know, Larry King, when he was still uh, with CNN, uh, he, towards the end of his career, uh, someone asked him, you have interviewed so many people if there's one person that you would like to interview, who would that be? And he has no hesitation. I would like to interview Jesus Christ. And then the uh, person asked him, uh, what is one question that you will ask Jesus? And he said, well, I really want to ask him, are you really virgin born? And I asked him that question because his answer would absolutely define history for me. Why? Because Larry King is Jewish. And he must know that the sign of a virgin birth was a sign given to the Jewish people. And if that really happened, this really comes to pass. It changes everything. Because Prophet Isaiah prophesied a long time ago that this sign is that Jesus, the Savior, come from a virgin birth. And because this is a miraculous sign, no human has ever been or ever be born without a father. And we all know that human birth requires a human source for a sperm to inseminate the egg of a woman. But there's only one person who's ever been born without any contribution of a male, and that is Jesus Christ. A virgin shall conceive. And that is why Joseph was having such a hard time to believe what Mary said, that God has to send an angel to appear to Joseph and say, Joseph, don't be afraid. Your wife of of Mary is going to give birth and and is going to be conceived by, by the Holy Spirit, and you are to name Him. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, our Savior. This is unique. This is singular. This has never happened before, nor will it ever happen again. This is virgin birth. Well, maybe some of you here, maybe you are predisposed to some sort of a scientific background and say, wow, well, wow, well, hang on, hang on. You know, there's this science. We have this thing called the phenomena of what they call genesis. I don't know whether I pronounce it correctly. Uh, Parthenogenesis, where creatures are conceived asexually, that is without fertilization. Uh, it happens in certain insects and plants, lower life forms, lower invertebrates, honeybees, for example, uh, their unfertilized eggs would develop naturally into drone bee, uh, silk worms and all kinds of things. There's been an artificial kind of genesis that has caused them to be produced, and even in recent years, uh, frogs and rabbits have been reproduced by genesis uh, So people go say, "Wow, you see, it's possible. Virgin birth is after all not such a great thing." But that does not quite explain human birth. Because parthenogenesis can only reproduce genetically identical species Frogs, for example, might be stimulated to reproduce But they will always be female frogs In other words, the offspring will always be genetically identical to the mother that laid the eggs and studies have shown, it's been done years ago by a group of scientists under the leadership of a guy called Gregory, Gregory Pincus. And he proved that if Mary, if Mary had conceived paternal genetically, she would have had a daughter and not son. But the sign is very clear. The signs say that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and that was 700 years before Christ's birth do you know few thousand years before Isaiah made the prophecy God has already said that in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 so Isaiah is not far enough 700 years Genesis few thousand before that God has already said when he pronounced curse on Satan remember what he said to Satan And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Since when do you mention about women as seed? Women has no seed. Women has eggs. And then he said, He will cross your head and you will strike his heel. Meaning to say that Jesus' encounter with Satan is that Jesus will strike his head. But in the process of it, he will be wounded. And so, way before the uh, prophecy of Isaiah, God has already forecast a time will come in the future that Jesus would be born as a virgin. So God gave us a sign, and this sign is that Mary would be virgin birth and give birth to son. And then the third one is that you are to call him Emmanuel God with us. Because Matthew interprets very clearly that Jesus when he comes this son we are to name him Emmanuel God with us. That is God with us. God putting on the skin and show to humanity this is the God that you've been thinking about through Old Testament prophecy read about through the prophets and all that now God is saying I'm coming to present to this world who I am and so God on Christmas descend and come down put on skin put a face to God some tangible thing that you can see you can feel that Jesus is God. So you if you want to know how who is this God, then you read the gospel. Jesus is the personification of who God is. Now this is important. <clears throat> Virgin birth is very important. It is the fundamental Christian doctrines of the church. Fundamental because for a simple reason. Because some people may think, what is so big deal, you know? It's no big deal, you know? It's okay, you know? I always find that increasingly Christian circle, those things that we shouldn't fight about, we, we always like to fight. Things that we should fight, fight about, we, we don't. Uh, secondary doctrines, we love to fight about. But the fundamental doctrine, we kind of say, oh, it's okay, you know? But not in the early church. The early church fights over the fundamental doctrines. But the peripheral doctrines is okay. Because those are not fundamental. You must divide into primary doctrine and secondary doctrine. And here, virgin birth is always the fundamental doctrine of the church. Why? Very simple. Why is it important? Why we need to teach about God, give us a sign, and give us a son, born through virgin, and then you name him Emmanuel, is because human Christian believe when you are born into this world, sin is already inherited in you. That means when you are born, the minute you are born, you are a sinner. So, so you are not born neutral in the sense that you become good or bad is different on your, depending on your society conditioning, good parenting, good school, good teachers, good environment, and therefore the children will be good in a sense because so you're in a bad environment, and then you become bad, and you're, and you're actually born neutral. No, Christian believe that, biblically, Christian believe that you're born into this world, sinful nature is already inherited in you. And therefore, the Christian message is, the number one thing is, you need a Savior to redeem you first, to change you from the heart redeemed, and then and only other things. And so this is a fundamental doctrine. And Jesus cannot be born through natural conception in the sense because otherwise He will be born sinful. He has to come from virgin birth. Spectacular way of coming and enter into this world so that He is perfect human being, unstained by sin. He will be born through humanity. That is why Chinese has a proverb which, depending on how you define it, uh, it may be incorrect. Chinese has a proverb, you understand Chinese, it means, you know? meaning, man at the beginning, you are good. But if your is referring to uh, when you are born into this world, then it's incorrect. It's incorrect. So, men by nature born, they are not good. It is sin inherited in us. And therefore, we need a Savior to come and save us and redeem us from this sinful nature that we have. And we can't do it. No matter how much law that we have tried to obey, inside of it we need to change first. It's the heart. And that is why Jesus has to say to Nicodemus, the fundamental of the gospel is you need to be born again. It's not just external law. No amount of external law can save you and makes you, it may be giving you control of your external behavior, but your sinful nature hasn't been changed yet. And therefore, we need Jesus to come and save and redeem us. So there's been some unusual and amazing births, but none like this unique birth, virgin birth. And this is not somebody fatenogenically produced it. This is not some quasi-natural experiment in reproduction. This is the God-man conceived by the Holy Spirit. He came upon Mary. He enabled her virgin womb to produce the single-cell zygote to develop into an embryo and cast in embryonic fluid become a fetus, become a child, grow up, enter ministry at 30, die at the age of 33, resurrected, appeared to the disciples for 40 days, and then ascended to heaven, and then sent down the Holy Spirit in the books of Acts, and now we are the recipient of that 2,000 years later. This is the story of Christmas. It begins when God came to us. And we begin even God's timetable. Back in Genesis, prophesied through Isaiah. And then Matthew confirmed it. That came to us. There was a story told of a woman in past generation who had tuberculosis. And tuberculosis were growing worse. As some of you know, tuberculosis was a pretty serious disease in those days. My father died of tuberculosis at the age of 44 in 1969. And it required long-term treatment, so the tuberculosis cavity was growing and growing and growing. And her condition was worsening, and worsening and worsening, but she was clinging on to life. And she came into the surgery, the doctors, and said to doctors something, said, You know what? Recently I've been feeling nauseated. Is that normal? And the doctor said, Wow, well, it's not normal. And so they begin to examine her, and they noticed that the tuberculosis had stopped growing the cavity had stopped growing. And so doctors said, run some tests on her just to check whether she's pregnant. And she turned out that she was pregnant. And the doctor wrote this. The chest x-ray reveals that the growth of the tuberculosis cavity has stopped. And the reason is that her diaphragm is pushing up against her diseased lung to make room for the child she bore. And then she concludes with these words, It was the child that saved her. It was the child that saved her. And I think it is the child that saved us. It is the virgin born. Son of Mary, Son of God, Jesus Christ came to this world to redeem us, to save us from our sin so that we can be set free and come to God the Father through the password, Jesus Christ. So this is the Christmas story as we walk through various passages accumulating to kill on Christmas Day. Father, thank you for the beautiful story of Jesus Christ. Two thousand years ago, Mary talks about uh, Matthew talks about that. And seven hundred years before Matthew, Isaiah prophesies about that. And few thousand years before Isaiah prophesies about that, you already set out. You are Alpha Omega. You are the beginning and the end. And you know the end from the beginning. You know all things. You are omniscience. Emmanuel, God with us. You know the timing. When the time is, has arrived, Jesus Christ came. Spiritually, it was ready Culturally, politically, the time was ripe. You, we work according to your timetable, not us. Not us. Help us, Lord, to always trust in your timing because you make all things beautiful in your own perfect time. I pray, Lord, this Christmas season, no matter how busy we get, no matter how many dinners, how many turkey that we have to cook, or how many gifts we have to wrap, and how many gifts we have to purchase and buy, Lord, help us to remember Jesus this season, that we will not be overwhelmed by all these things, that we forgot the real meaning of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. You are the name, Jesus, our Savior, who is the name above every name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. As we sing this beautiful song as a reminder, once again, your name is above every name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing this beautiful, lovely chorus? Jesus. song to remind us Jesus name above all name may we uh, come to the Savior may we surrender our lives to Jesus who is our Savior Lord thank you for coming to us thank you for dying for us thank you for saving us while we are helpless We are powerless. Uh, You came to us. Thank you, Lord. This Christmas season we want to give you our heart. We want to invite you into our hearts. Uh, Some of us we've been Christian for far too long. And we have lost the magic touch of yours. We have lost what it means to be a disciple. We have lost it, Lord we have lost our first love, Uh, we ask you to come and minister to us, speak to us, that this season, we rededicate our lives to you and let the Saviour be born again in us, once again. Once again, Lord, that we are alive and able to live the abundant life That you want to give to us Thank you Lord Thank you May God hold you In the palm of his hand May you allow him To mold you Into what he wants you to be And may you Joyfully fill the role He has given to you And may this season You feel the greatest peace Of your soul during this Christmas. Thank you, Lord. Amen.